Hi, I'm Hana Baba from KALW, and I wanted to let you know that the podcast you're about to hear is listener supported. So, if you like it, please go to KALW.org and click donate now to support this work. Thanks. Now, enjoy the show. KALW. This is TBH. I'm Samuel Getacho. This podcast is made by, about, and for teenagers and for anybody else who wants to hear what's on our minds. Today, we're talking about commerce and culture. They're intertwined and lucrative. Our phones give us access to tastemakers and marketplaces. We can see an item on Instagram and purchase it on Amazon within a few clicks and a few minutes, and it's available all the time. Fast fashion has given us unprecedented access to the trends set by our celebrities and idols. One of the Kardashians wears a dress, and within hours, Fashion Nova has lookalikes available for under $50. Kanye West starts a fashion line, and all of a sudden, earth tones, ragged sweaters, and chunky sneakers flood H&M and Forever 21 for months. And if you want to talk about trends in streetwear, you have to talk about black culture. It's no surprise that hip-hop and basketball have an undeniable and overwhelming impact on fashion, particularly on footwear. What began with Michael Jordan and Mars Blackman in the 80s has evolved into much, much more and swept across my generation indiscriminately. Teenagers have become experts on the different models, brands, prices, and cultural values of sneakers, buying and selling the most exclusive ones at roughly similar prices to old used cars. We'll hear more about that in a minute. But let's turn to some high schoolers in the tech hub of San Francisco to see the ways they're using social media to make money. My name is Philip Wolf. I am an 11th grader at Lincoln High School, and my media is Nextdoor. Nextdoor is a bit like Facebook, just on a smaller scale. On Nextdoor, I have been able to project my skills as a babysitter and be hired by many families in the area. I've even been managing a mildly successful business through this website, and it helps that babysitters are in short supply. Over time, I got better at my job. I learned both how to deal with kids and how to deal with parents. You've got to learn how to both lie and bribe to babysit kids. At this point, I'm basically a spy. I mainly use my income for games and food, teenagers' essentials. My name is Ryan Chan, and I am a junior at Lincoln High School, and my media is virtual money. I used to make a lot of money on a website called OPSkins. OPSkins is a market that sells highly desirable virtual skins. These are virtual gun skins, which are basically wraps for your weapons in-game. Sadly, OPSkins shut down for various reasons. I've been feeling the withdrawals from the income loss, so now my income will come from a different source, which is also on the web. I'm Nery Garcia, a sophomore in Burton High School. My media is called GOAT. I sell sneakers. I use two apps called GOAT and StockX. Nowadays, you know, shoes are like pretty expensive, you know, especially if it's like uh, designer shoes or um, shoes by like a rapper or some celebrity. They are like Retail is like 240 or 300 so resale is probably double the price. So that's like $500 you can make. The white canvas Converse All-Star made its debut about a century ago. Yeah, you heard that right. The first version was produced in 1917, and sneakers have come a long way since then. With the recent rise of social media, the styles have spread across the globe. The global athletic footwear market is expected to reach nearly $100 billion annually by 2025. People can literally trade sneakers like stocks. But it's a testament. 
sneakerheads are no longer members of a small subculture. So is the heart of the original culture still alive? San Francisco high schooler Brian Ng takes a look. As a kid, I remember watching every single NBA basketball game. And what always caught my eye were the shoes. Like in this 2006 playoff game between the Los Angeles Lakers and the Phoenix Suns. I love the way the colors of the shoes popped and how the sneakers would squeak on the court. I'm a Golden State Warriors fan and my favorite sneakers are Steph Curry's Nike Zoom Hyperfuse 2012 PEs. They're a mixture of yellow and light blue with a red Nike sign on the side. Before games, Curry would write, I can do all things on the side of the shoes with a Sharpie. Basketball stars are constantly selling shoes on TV, like in this ad. Every diamond tells a story. LeBron James reps his LeBron 10 Blue Diamonds. For the Blue Diamond, which form when diamonds come into contact with electricity. That's me on the court. I'm approaching this season and lacing up the LeBron 10 with a perspective like never before. I didn't think much about the culture behind these sneakers when I was a kid. I just knew I wanted the shoes on my feet. Everyone I knew wanted them. The sneaker industry is huge and growing. The global athletic footwear market is expected to reach over $95 billion by 2025. Now that I'm a teenager, many of my friends buy and sell shoes, like my friend Jason Canales. He's loved sneakers since middle school. My sister used to get like old Jordans from like my cousins. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. They look cool. And like, you know, you'd see them on like TV or like social media and I'd be like, it just looked cool. And I wanted to experience that uh, too. I wanted to like look like how those people dressed. A few years ago, Jason decided to turn his love for sneakers into a profit. It seemed like an easy way to make money, like a fast, easy way to make money. So I was like, oh, I could just buy these sneakers and make like a quick 40, 50 bucks off of it. So he started selling shoes on apps like Instagram, eBay, and a selling platform called Mercari. But customers kept offering him less cash than he wanted. I thought that it was easier and I'd be able to make more money off of it, but it turns out it was like hard to get rid of them and to get the amount that I wanted. My friend Jason is a small-time sneaker dealer, but there are teenagers who make six figures reselling Yeezys and Air Jordans. Some even sell to celebrities, like Benjamin Kicks. The first big sneaker I ever bought was either the Galaxy Foams or the Myro 7s. And then my dad was like, oh, you must be crazy, you're out of your mind. And then I sold them for a thousand. He's like, oh, so you found someone just as dumb as you. In 2017, Nike sold the Jordan 1 Off-White Chicago for roughly $200. Now people are buying them online for a nearly $3,000 price tag. I can't even imagine what sneaker culture was before the internet. That's why I called Jermaine King. He's an English professor at Johnson C. Smith University. And he created a class that uses economic theory and hip-hop to show how sneakers can be a cultural language. He's also a big sneaker enthusiast. He remembers wearing a new pair of Reebok 4600s during a trip to Washington, D.C. in the fourth grade. They were black and gold, like like metallic gold, or old gold, as they say. And with those within the culture, it was a big deal. But to every other kid, it was just, they didn't even notice. He says that the original sneaker culture began as a form of expression for African Americans in the 1970s. The documentary Fresh Dress 
shows the history of hip-hop and urban fashion. It's all about oversized pants, graffiti-drenched jackets, and yes, sneakers. The most important thing was sneakers, you know, because if you had some wax sneakers, you just were, it was just a difficult time, you know. A lot of stuff was always built off, you know, your, your shoe oh, game. Yeah. That's what was important. You built your outfit yeah. off your shoe game. Then in 1985, a Nike ad featuring Michael Jordan changed sneaker culture forever. At the time, Jordan was a rookie of the Chicago Bulls. Jordan wore Air Jordan 1s, even though it was against league rules at the time. On September 15th, Nike created a revolutionary new basketball shoe. On October 18th, the NBA threw them out of the game. Fortunately, the NBA can't stop you from wearing them. Air Jordans from Nike. Nike paid the $5,000 fine per game for him. Jordan took the Bulls to the playoffs while wearing those shoes. In the 1986 song, My Adidas, hip-hop icons Run DMC defend sneaker culture. After that song was released, Adidas signed Run DMC to a major promotional deal. Nike's revenue soared from $270 million in 1980 to an industry-leading $2.23 billion by 1990. Sneakers are still big business, with no sign of slowing down. But Jermaine King, the sneaker professor, says corporate greed took the soul out of sneaker culture. And he says the internet has turned sneakers into a fad. Internet culture is that let me Google or let me go to a blog to see how to wear a Harachi or how do I wear these, um, these Vans or how do I wear this particular shoe. And that wasn't, that didn't happen before the rise of the internet. Over the last few years, the online sneaker industry has vastly outpaced sales growth in physical stores. Sneakerheads no longer have to hunt for shoes or even leave their bedrooms to buy or sell them. But Jermaine is still optimistic for the future of sneaker culture. I see it eventually these elaborate prices and, and resale values dropping and it returning closer to what it was originally. So what we're going to have is um, a worldwide group of individuals who are subscribers, authentic subscribers to the culture, and that the carpetbaggers will lose interest and move on to something else. Sneaker enthusiasts may come and go, and the culture is constantly changing but sneakers aren't going anywhere. I want to learn more about whether sneakers still inspire a sense of community. So I head to SneakerCon in San Jose. SneakerCon is like a traveling trade show for sneakers. Thousands of people wait outside to get in. I go with my friend Jason Canales. At SneakerCon, we brought probably over 20 pairs of shoes to sell. When we get inside, there's a ton of people, noise, and a lot of sought after sneakers, like Yeezys, Off-Whites, and Jordans. David Elias is here to sell some shoes. He says he's one of the original sneakerheads. I got into sneakers when I was 15 years old. I'm now 31, going on 32. Um, Air Jordan, man. Everything was Jordan, and uh, my parents would, all, like every other kid, buy one pair of shoes for school and stuff. And my first paycheck, uh, started buying shoes, and I got into it. He says social media is a big boost for his business. 
but he doesn't think sneaker culture has become too corporate. No, not really. I don't think so. I think, you know, at the end, you know, people still care about it. And, uh, you know, um, you know, of course, it's a business still. So Nike will up the prices a little bit more. But in the end, you know, people are still going to want that shoe. My friend Jason didn't saw as much as he wanted. But for me, SneakerCon was a success. I felt like I was a part of a community. It's true that big money and status are now a part of the culture. But from what I saw, it is still a form of expression. I think as long as people have feet, they will be interested in having cool shoes. And as long as people have heart, whatever community they belong to will survive. Brian Ng made that story. He's a senior at San Francisco's Abraham Lincoln High School. I remember the first time I encountered sneaker culture and the idea of shoe game. I was raised as an only child by two Ethiopian immigrants who shopped for practicality. The concept of spending one or two hundred additional dollars for a pair of shoes they knew that I would soon outgrow made no sense to my parents, and so I spent the majority of my childhood unaware and unconcerned with what shoes I wore. But when I entered middle school, I discovered the social value of fashion. I discovered that my battered, off-brand running shoes were more or less unacceptable, and I started begging for a pair of Jordans. Fast forward a few years, and I now consider fashion one of my passions. I don't have the funds or the commitment to call myself a sneakerhead quite yet, but I do see the value and the dedication that Brian and his friends have to sneaker culture. Fashion, just like any other art form, propels cultural advancement and growth. And as much as those of us that don't understand it may be tempted to invalidate it as such, fashion is a form of expression, one of the most relevant to my generation. You've been listening to TBH, a podcast from KALW Public Radio. Shout out to the teens who produce this show, and to our editors, engineers, artists, and teachers. Shireen Adel, Daoud Anthony, Gabe Graben, Awan Mance, Holly J. McDeed, Kristen McCandless, James Rollins, and Ben Trefney. In the next episode, we're taking on another multi-billion dollar industry, video games. And we're talking about what their pervasiveness does to our lives. Oh, I do not consider myself addicted to video games because at any moment I could choose to stop. We'll hear more next time on TBH. This podcast relies on you to help spread the word. So please take a minute to give us a rating or take two and give us a review. Help get our voices to others so they can hear what we have to say. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Samuel Getacho. That was episode three of TBH. You can support the work of our young reporters. Just go to KALW.org and click donate now. And in the comments, make sure to mention why you're donating. Thanks. Thanks.